Hello, everybody. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about greenhouse gases, carbon footprints, and what you and companies around you are doing to lower their carbon footprints. I'm Kevin Tankersley, and you're listening to The Environment Today. I want to start out by talking about greenhouse gases. And the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency defines a greenhouse gas as a gas that traps heat in the atmosphere. And there are three main types of greenhouse gases. The first one, the most commonly known and the most problematic, is carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide enters the atmosphere through burning fossil fuels, such as coal, natural gas, and oil, through burning solid waste and trees and other biological materials. Also, carbon dioxide enters the atmosphere as a result of certain chemical reactions, such as the manufacturing of cement, and carbon dioxide can be removed from the atmosphere when it is absorbed by plants as a part of their natural biological carbon cycle. The second greenhouse gas is methane. Methane is emitted during the production and transport of coal, natural gas, and oil. And methane emissions can also result from livestock and other agriculture practices, land use, and by the decay of organic waste in municipal solid waste landfills. Finally, the last type of main greenhouse gas that we're putting out in the atmosphere is nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide is emitted during agricultural, land use, and industrial activities, and it's a combination of fossil fuels and waste. The main greenhouse gas that's in the atmosphere is carbon dioxide. About 79% of the greenhouse gases that were emitted in the United States in 2020 were carbon dioxide, with methane making up another 11%, nitrous oxide making up 7%, and other gases taking up 3% of the emitted greenhouse gases. And that was a study done by the US EPA. Each of these greenhouse gases are problematic for various reasons. Each of these gases can remain in the atmosphere for different amounts of time, ranging from just a few years to thousands of years in the atmosphere. And all of these gases remain in the atmosphere long enough to become mixed, meaning that the atmosphere is roughly the same all over the world regardless of the source of emissions. So if one country is doing very well in limiting their greenhouse gases, it's not going to matter for their specific atmosphere because if another country is pumping out greenhouse gases at a crazy rate, that everyone is going to suffer from the effect of those greenhouse gases. And carbon dioxide, as we said, it accounts for 79% of all the U.S.'s greenhouse gases. And it is naturally present in the atmosphere as part of the Earth's carbon cycle which is the natural circulation of carbon among the atmosphere, ocean, soil, and plants. So we put out carbon, the ocean and the plant life in the ocean, and the plant life in the forest takes in that carbon and puts out oxygen, and the cycle continues. However, human activities are are altering the carbon cycle by both adding more carbon dioxide to the atmosphere and by influencing the ability of natural carbon sinks to remove and store carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. So we are both putting more carbon dioxide into the air and also inhibiting nature's ability to get rid of that carbon. And 
A carbon sink is a place that gets rid of more carbon than it puts out. And according to clientearth.org, these carbon sinks are shrinking. Some of the main carbon sinks are the rainforests and forests in general, the soil all around the world, and the ocean. The world's forests absorb about 2.6 billion tons of carbon dioxide every year. And due to deforestation and wildfires and forests having to turn into other climates as a result of droughts, our forests are shrinking. So they're no longer able to absorb as much carbon dioxide as they used to be. Another big carbon sink is the Earth's soil. The Earth's soil absorbs roughly a quarter of human emissions every year. And that's really good because we keep putting out this carbon and Mother Nature keeps taking it in. And a large portion of this carbon is stored in peatlands or permafrost. However, permafrost in a lot of areas is drying up and the peatland areas are also drying up as well. So plants are dying off and these places are not able to absorb all of the carbon into the soil like they used to be. Finally, one of the biggest carbon sinks in the world are our oceans. The ocean has sucked up about a quarter of the carbon dioxide released in the atmosphere since we began burning fossil fuels during the Industrial Revolution. And the main sink in these oceans is phytoplankton. And phytoplankton are microscopic marine algae and bacteria, and they can just absorb carbon and put out oxygen. But due to plastic pollution in our oceans means that phytoplankton are eating microplastics instead of the carbon. So they're eating away at all this carbon from plastic that's just sitting and floating in the ocean. And that's limiting the amount of carbon that they can take in from the air. So not only is our pollution of the oceans destroying the wildlife that is there, it's also inhibiting the ability of the ocean and the plant life that lives there to take in carbon and help us fight this battle against climate change. So now I want to talk about the activities that humans are doing to put out these fossil fuels such as carbon dioxide. The main way that we are putting carbon dioxide in the environment is through transportation. According to another study done by the EPA, transportation is accountable for 33% of the carbon dioxide that we're putting into the environment. The second most prevalent source of carbon dioxide is electric power, which is putting out 31% of the carbon dioxide into the environment. Industrial productions is putting out 16%, and residential and commercial living is also putting out 12%. And then about 8% is from non-fossil fuel combustion. So transportation. The combustion of fossil fuels such as gasoline and diesel to transport people was the and goods was the largest source of carbon dioxide emissions in 2022, according to the EPA. And this makes sense because as the world is getting smaller, we are relying more and more on transportation to get us to the places we need to go and to bring us the goods that we need. Secondly, electricity puts out greenhouse gases into the air when we burn fossil fuels or other different types of energy to produce electricity. Thirdly was industrial means and some examples include the production of mineral products such as cement, production of metals such as iron and steel, and the production of chemicals. This all puts out greenhouse gases into the environment. So all of these activities and more contribute to the amount of greenhouse gases that we are putting out into the environment. And according to the Nature Conservancy, 
your carbon footprint is the total amount of greenhouse gases, including carbon dioxide and methane, that are generated by our actions. So anything that we do that puts out one of these greenhouse gases affects our carbon footprint. And globally, the average carbon footprint for a person is about four tons of carbon and other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere every year. However, in the United States, the carbon footprint for a person is 16 tons of carbon every single year. This is one of the highest rates of carbon being released into the atmosphere anywhere in the world. And it's only getting worse. So, before the Industrial Revolution, which was the 1760s to the 1800s area, the CO2 levels in the atmosphere were about 228 parts per million, according to carbonbrief.org. In 2021, carbon levels exceeded over 417 parts per million on most days. That is almost a doubling of the amount of carbon dioxide that is in the atmosphere from the last 150 years. And this is mainly due to our large-scale burning of fossil fuels that has started since the Industrial Revolution. So everything that we are doing is putting more greenhouse gases out into the environment and into our atmosphere, and these greenhouse gases are in turn heating the planet and driving global warming. If we don't take action against what is happening, experts predict that we could reach temperature levels of an average of 2 degrees Celsius higher all around the world by the year 2050. And this is bad for a number of reasons, which I'll get to at the end of this episode. So this sounds pretty bleak. However, there are things that are being done and things that we can all do every day to help reduce our carbon footprint. First off, I want to talk about offsetting carbon. And there are two kind of terms that go with offsetting carbon, carbon offset and carbon offset credits. And they mean slightly different things. Carbon offset broadly refers to a reduction in greenhouse gas emissions or an increase in carbon storage through something like land restoration or planting of trees, according to carbonoffsetguide.org. And that is used to compensate for emissions that occur elsewhere. So essentially, whenever a company offsets their carbon, they are not cutting down on their greenhouse gas emissions. They're putting out the same amount of emissions into the environment but they are committing to getting rid of those greenhouse gases through other means, such as reforestation or decarbonization or stuff like that. And a carbon offset credit is kind of like a transferable credit that a government gives to a company saying, yes, you have gotten rid of this amount of carbon or greenhouse gases in the environment. Some common examples of projects for carbon offset include restoration of forests, building renewable energy plants, carbon storing agricultural practices, and working on waste and landfill management. And this is from MIT's Climate Portal. And by taking these offset carbon certificates or credits, a group or a company can fund projects that fight climate change without taking actions to lower their own carbon emissions. And this is good and bad because we're still putting the same amount of greenhouse gases out into the planet. However, we are working to decarbonize the atmosphere as a whole. So that's something that large companies can do, and you might see if you order something that's shipped to you or you take a flight, you might see the company saying, would you like to offset your carbon by paying a little amount? 
And that's one way that you can help chip in and help offset your carbon for your flight or for whatever you had shipped to you. There are a lot of other things that we can all be doing to lower our carbon footprint, and these all come from the U University of Columbia's climate school. First off, food-wise, we can eat lower on the food chain, which kind of means eating more vegetables and eating less meat. The production of meat and dairy is responsible for 14.5% of man-made global greenhouse gases every year. So eating less meat and more vegetables helps release less greenhouse gases into the environment. Also, the type of food that you choose to eat is important. Choosing organic and local foods that are in season is not only good for small businesses around you, but also good for the environment. Transporting foods from far away uses fossil fuels for fuel and also for cooling to keep the foods in transit. Reducing your food waste by planning meals ahead of time and using your leftovers cuts down on the amount of food that you're using, which means that there's less food being produced and composting your waste if possible. So instead of having all this food go out to landfills where they're just gonna rot and put out gases, you can compost your waste to reuse it. Another way that we can cut down on our carbon footprint is through the choices we make when buying clothing. Number one, don't buy fast fashion. Fast fashion is when clothes are designed to just be worn a couple times and then go out of style and get thrown away. And currently the average American throws away about 80 pounds of clothing every single year. And 85% of this clothing ends up in landfills. So by buying high quality clothes that are gonna last longer, we aren't throwing away as many clothes. And if you are getting rid of clothes, you can either donate them or recycle them. Many cities have clothing recycling places where you can go and recycle your clothing so that can be turned into more clothes down the line. In shopping in general, um, we can buy less stuff. I know that can be kind of hard sometimes, but buying less stuff and buying used or recycled items or thrifted items really cuts down on the amount of products that are being manufactured around the world. Make sure you bring a reusable bag when you shop. It's, it can be hard sometimes to remember to bring a bag to the store, but cutting down on those plastic bags is really important because producing this plastic is putting greenhouse gases into the planet. Um, if you're shopping for appliances or things like that, make sure to look for Energy Star certified products, which are certified to be more energy efficient. And if we are more energy efficient, we're burning less fossil fuels to put out more greenhouse gases into the environment. At home, there's a lot we can do, just as we talked about in our first episode, conserving water and energy is always really important. This time, like we said about the Energy Star products, conserving energy is very important because we're burning less fossil fuels. If you have incandescent light bulbs in your home, changing them to LEDs is a really good idea because even though LEDs cost more initially, they use less than a quarter of the energy and last up to 25 times longer. And that's very good, not only for your home life, but for saving energy. Make sure you turn lights off when you're not in the room and unplug your electronic devices. And make sure you're regulating how much water you're taking in. Like we talked about earlier, the number one way that carbon dioxide was put into the environment in the United States was through transportation. So there's a lot you can do to cut down on your carbon footprint transportation-wise. First off is drive less. 
I know that's not possible for everybody, but if you're in an area where you can walk or take public transportation, such as the buses or train systems or bike, do that whenever possible because it not only cuts down on your carbon emissions, but it also creates less traffic congestion so people can get places faster, which means they'll be driving less amount of time. Uh, make sure you take care of your car if you have a car by keeping your tires properly inflated and this can really increase your fuel efficiency, meaning that you'll save money on gas and there'll be less emissions being put out into the environment. On longer trips, you can use cruise control, which actually saves gas, makes it easier for you to drive and saves gas. And if you're using air travel, there are a couple things you can do. Flying nonstop actually saves fuel because takeoffs and landings use more fuel and produce more emissions. I know cost-wise it might not always be feasible, but if you can, flying nonstop. Regardless, if you fly nonstop or take connections, a lot of companies, like we said earlier, are offering the ability for you to offset your carbon, so you pay a little bit amount, and it they, the companies will contribute to these reforestation funds or decarbonization efforts. So that's another way to really help out with that. Finally, I want to talk about what is going to happen if we can't decarbonize or start producing less greenhouse gases. And according to the World Wildlife Fund, the world is already one degree Celsius hotter on average than it was between 1850 and 1900, which is sort of the pre-industrial era. And if we can't limit our increase in temperature around the world to two degrees Celsius, a lot of bad things are going to happen. First off, sea levels around the world could rise as almost two meters above where they are right now by the year 2100. Two meters might not seem like a lot, but that's almost six feet. And if you think about all the cities around the world that are right on the oceans, such as New Orleans, Miami in the United States, all the other coastal cities around the world, they're going to be heavily impacted by a rise in sea levels because people that live right on the beach are going to get forced off. And in New Orleans' case, it could be completely underwater by the year 2100. Also, if global temperatures rise 2 degrees, then almost all the world's coral will bleach and essentially die. This is bad because coral is a big carbon sink. They're also able to take in large amounts of carbon. And they provide homes and habitats to thousands of plant and animal species around the world. So all of the world's coral dying is going to be extremely catastrophic. If you've ever seen pictures of the Great Barrier Reef before and now, it's really bad and really sad what's going on there. Another bad effect is that ice in the Arctic could be completely melted every single summer. The Arctic is an area of the planet that is warming faster than anywhere else on Earth. And if our polar ice caps melt, that's really bad because it's going to contribute to the sea levels rising and we're also going to lose that constant ice pack that we need to help keep the world cool. One other negative effect of the temperature rising is that more extreme heat waves and droughts are going to be prevalent throughout the year. This summer we had some extreme heat waves and droughts all around the world, and these are going to become even more and more common if the world continues to heat up. And as a result of these droughts and heat waves, more severe flooding is going to come as well. If the plants aren't able to absorb the water from the soil that they need, there are going to be more and more catastrophic flooding. Finally, a lot of plant and animal species are going to die out. A lot of plants and animals are 
only able to live in a certain habitat or temperature range. And if they have to live in temperatures that are hotter than they're used to, they're going to have to either move to a different location where they're going to take over resources from other plants and animals that are already living there, or they're simply going to die out. So if we don't work towards limiting our greenhouse gases and working on decarbonizing the atmosphere, things are going to look really bad for us and the rest of the plant and animal life around the world. Luckily, there's things that we can all be doing to help offset our carbon or lower our carbon footprint. Thanks for listening to the episode today. Next week, we are going to be talking about electric vehicles and if they are actually good for the environment and how much of an impact they're actually going to make. As we talked about in this one, transportation contributes to 33% of the carbon dioxide we put out into the atmosphere. So we're going to look into the numbers behind electric vehicles and what sort of impact they're going to make on our daily lives. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, and I'll see you next week.